The Brewers Association and Craft Beer Radio present Savor 2014, an American craft beer and food experience from Washington, D.C. This recording was from Friday, May 9th. Master Pairing, Craft Beers and Artisanal Donuts, featuring Bill Sizak from Stone Brewing Company and Tiffany McIsaac from Golden Brown Delicious. Good evening, everyone. Yeah. Okay. Slight, slightly different vibe than the 7.30 class. Yeah. Yeah, 7.30, it was quiet, you know, people were kind of yawning, and, but anyway, I'm sure you've had a good time out there. Welcome. I'm Tom McCormick. I'm with the California Craft Brewers Association. Anybody from California? One, two, whoa. A bunch, a bunch of people. I'm here on behalf of the Brewers Association. The Brewers Association is the national trade association that represents the now about 4,800 craft breweries, independently owned small craft breweries here all across the United States. Brewers Association puts on this great event, Savor. This is the seventh annual. So again, welcome to the event. Quick thank you to our sponsors, Ray's Beverage Group. And just a few uh, housekeeping items here before we get started. Uh, you just have the one glass in front of you, so we're going to be pouring multiple beers in that glass, of course. So just take the water and swish it um, before the next beer comes. Um, if you have any questions, we prefer that they, you wait with your questions until the end. Um, this is being recorded by craftbeerradio.com and it will be available along with all the salons tonight and tomorrow at craftbeer.com, which is a great website, all things craft beer, but if you'd like to hear yourself on, uh, on the radio, you can go to craftbeer.com and hear this and again, all the salons from both tonight and tomorrow. So. We're going to try to get a mic on you when you ask questions, or they'll repeat the questions uh, as we go. Um, also, I'm going to ask the impossible of you, which is we have a great crew of servers out here. We have a server for literally each row. They're going to bring the donuts Amen. and the beer that pairs with that donut. We ask that you, you know, those wait. Those four beers have to have some room out here, so you... Where's that coming Boy, all from? Wow, that's cool. That? Uh, God? <laughs> just to make you came? in the wrong room. That's my alter, that's my alter ego. Let's see, uh, what am I? I'm going to ask that you wait and not try the donuts or the, the beer salon, until the everybody gets served. My name's and, Steve uh, Bott. I'm the, the speaker for Free State Brewing Company that. in Lawrence, Kansas. And I'll be sort of the host the introducer. I don't have much to say. If you really can't. Don't eat the donut in one bite. So with that, I'm going to uh, introduce you to our great speakers here. We have uh, Tiffany um, McIsaac from Golden Brown Delicious and <laughs> Bill Sizek, who is the beer ambassador from Stone Brewing Company in San Diego. Take it away. Thank you, Tom. Can you guys hear me okay back there? Yes. What? Who? Okay. I get the rowdy crowd at the end. I like it. Yeah. Yes. Anyways, I hope you guys are ready for a little beer and donuts. Yeah. Okay. All right. 
So, uh, Tiffany, please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your restaurants. Yes, um, my name is Tiffany McIsaac. I'm the pastry chef for Neighborhood Restaurant Group, which includes some of maybe some of your hopefully favorite beer spots: Birch and Barley, Church Key, Blue Jacket, um, Buzz Bakery. We don't really do too much beer there, but you know, yes, Buzz Bakery. And then on um, one of my favorite concepts, which is GBD Fried Chicken and Donuts. It's uh, kind of the brainchild of my husband and I, which people say, how did you come up with that idea? And I'm like, how do you not come up with that idea? <laughs> Fried chicken, donuts, and tons of alcohol. Like, it's pretty much our favorite place to be. So um, I've been there for, you know, since it opened. I've been with the company for four years. And, yeah, I'm just really excited to be here tonight. Dessert and beer are meant for each other. And especially when it's donuts and everybody's been having a few beers already, it's going to be super fun. Thank you, Tiffany. And my name's Bill Sysak. I'm the craft beer ambassador and certified Cicerone for Stone Brewing Company in Escondido. Thank you. Um, and I love to pair a beer and food. I've been doing it for a very long time. Matter of fact, I'm going to bore you with the story of how I started pairing beer and food all the way back in 1978. But that will come later. Right now, I'm going to uh, get you guys prepped so you're ready to enjoy this fabulous pairing. You know, I asked Tiffany to do small donuts. So I thought she was going to do donut holes. She said, these are smaller than our normal donuts. So you got a lot of sugar and carbs coming your way, guys. Um, I think they're just the right size. I said, I've never heard anybody complain about too much donut. You're absolutely right. Never heard it. So <laughs> how many of you guys have been to a beer pairing before? Awesome. You know what? Uh, beer Thank is you. by far the most versatile of all alcoholic beverages. It is, I'm talking real beer now. I'm not talking that fizzy yellow stuff, okay? <laughs> I'm not talking about BMC beer. We all know what that means, Bud Miller Kurs, okay? That's the last time <laughs> I'm gonna say that. We're not talking about that. That's good for hydration, that's about it. We're talking about true craft beer with flavor, which is why we're here celebrating great craft beer at Savor with great food. Um, beer is by far the most versatile though. I mean, I don't know about you guys, I love doing 11 course tequila pairing dinner. You guys have all done that before, right? <laughs> No? Okay. It's pretty good. I'll take it from me. It's pretty good. I love pairing wine, but by far the most versatile beverage is beer. Why? Well, beer has carbonation. It's like scrubbing bubbles on your palate, so it cleanses your palate. Sure, wine has sparkling wine, and it goes great with things like foie gras, things like that to scrub your palate, but most wine, unfortunately, is still, and so it doesn't have those abilities. Uh, beer has bitterness, which cuts through the richest fats, things like meats, cheeses, uh, other proteins and good sweet things like chocolates and sugar. Um, beer has sweetness, which handles the hottest chilies. How many of you guys, it, it calms and subdues the palate from very hot chilies. How many of you guys like spicy food though? Of course, everybody does. I don't even know why I ask that anymore. Um, it also can do things like extrapolate the heat so if you have something very spicy like your favorite habanero salsa and you have a great IPA it'll, it, it works really well it a, a great IPA will calm the front palate where you get that burning on your lips it'll also calm going down your throat but it leaves that accentuated burn on the middle palate so it really lets you know hey I'm having my favorite habanero salsa but I'm also having a great beer with it. So that's really cool. And finally, of course, beer is made up of four ingredients, really water, a grain, hops, and yeast, right? So grains 
control the color. By doing the different grains, malted barley most commonly, and roasting them, it's going to bring out uh, a, a different flavor characteristics. Anything from a very pale malt, where it's very bready and doughy, to a very dark patent malt, where it's going to bring out things like uh, coffee and espresso. So by roasting the grains, it matches perfectly with a fancy chef term called the Maillard reaction, which is basically the non-enzymatic browning of meats and breads. Are any vegetarians out here? Sorry. Um, uh, or portobello mushrooms on the grill. How's that? Where you get that sear and you get that crystallization of the sugars. That's where that comes out. And that's what makes it really fun to do is having that uh, Maillard reaction go on with the roasted grains that come in a beer. And so it makes it perfect. Um, I'm going to, how many of you guys have read books like Garrett Oliver's Brewmaster's Table, uh, uh, Randy Mosher's Tasting Beer, uh, all those things, great books. And I'm not going to bring you guys, I'm going to talk some basics, but I'm really, after three decades of doing this, I'm going to do stuff that's going to, is Julia in here? I'm going to blow her brain off. Um, Julia Hertz is the, uh, the beer pair for the Brewers Association. There's no rules. There's rules to start out with, but there's really no rules. The only rules are your palate and what your mind can come up with. You guys have heard the term maybe perhaps whether it's a wine pairing or a different pairings, uh, complementary and contrast. Yes, no, maybe some of you. It's my belief that every pairing has a note of complementary and contrast. There's always gonna be complementary notes, which is what beer's so great about because it can definitely do that. It can complement a lot of foods and it can also contrast. It can also bring out characteristics that are great. Really, I think contrast is more of a wine term for people who, some sommeliers who are trying to pair wine with asparagus or spicy food and they can't get it to match, so they'll do that. Now, don't get me wrong. I have a huge seller of beer, 2,500 bottles. I have a thousand bottles of wine. I'm not bragging, I'm just saying. I love wine, I love spirits. I have a lot of whiskey, no tequila, all those things. I love them all, but none of them compare to beer when it comes to this. So you're saying, how can you be talking about contrasting? How can you say an imperial stout contrasts with a chocolate cake? It seems like a natural marriage, right? It's perfectly complimentary. Chocolate espresso notes with a great rich chocolate cake. Well, think about it. If you're used to drinking coffee with a great dessert, so it's not uncommon, but really you're contrasting. You're getting the bitterness from the malts and it's going up against the sweetness of the dessert, right? That's contrasting. I mean, it's really bringing that out. So you may not notice it in most pairings, but it's really all about complementary and contrasting when you're doing it. But you can pair anything, there's no rules. Now, how many of you guys have had a craft beer before? I'm going to teach you guys how to drink craft beer. Now, that's this guy's really pompous. What an asshole, man. We've been drinking craft beer for three hours. Doesn't he know where we're at? I'm going to talk a little bit about how we do it when we're talking about pairings or when we're doing judging or sensory evaluation. This is not what you're going to do when you go to Church Key or one of the other great beer bars in town because they're going to move you down to the side of the end of the bar and look at you funny. This is how we do it, and this is what I want you guys to try here. So you guys can go ahead and pour the first beer anytime. Oh, by the way, so the very first donut we're going to do is going to be the one with the white frosting. So you guys should all move that up to your left, let's see, left upper corner. So we're all on the same page here. All right, 
And just a minute, as soon as we start pouring the beer, we'll talk about it. So how do you taste beer? Well, what I want you guys to do is always realize, and this is true with wine and spirits, I want you guys to always look at what you're tasting. If you order a Cabernet and you get something that looks golden and viscous, guess what? They poured you the wrong thing. Then you should smell it. Did you guys know that 90% of all taste is smell? How many people have heard that before? How many people have never heard that before? Sounds a little crazy. We have taste buds. How is 90% of all taste smell? Well, it's true. What happens is when you smell a beer or a wine, not necessarily a spirit because they're very strong with fusel alcohol notes, but when you smell a beer or a wine, you should go ahead and swirl it. So when we get the beer here, I'm going to have you do that. Then you should smell it. You should smell with your nose and your mouth. That's called ortho and retronasally. And what happens is you're bringing it up to your olfactory glands in your sinus passageway that goes up to your brain that tells the gustatory nerves on your taste buds what you're tasting. This is an early prehistoric human civilization type thing. Uh, you know, back when we had early caveman, they didn't have 7-Elevens where you can go in and get nachos and a corn dog if you're hungry. They were hunter-gatherers, so they'd walk around. They'd see a dead animal on the side of the road, they're thinking smorgasbord. But they needed to know whether it was good to eat. So by smelling it, they would know okay, it's good, it's making me hungry, or, oh, that's a couple weeks old, I shouldn't eat it. Sorry, sounds gross at a beer and food pairing, but that's how we got this perfect knowledge. So what happens is you smell, don't taste yet, just smell. Um, you smell, and that's how it picks up those things through your olfactory gland. What happens is, and here's how 90, I'll tell you how 90% of all smell is taste. How many of you guys have been sick before, stuffy, had your favorite food, Never tastes the same, does it? No. Here's a better example. We've all been out late drinking at night, driving, oh, excuse me, getting a ride home. Uh, <laughs> and it's 11 o'clock. And for us in California, it's In-N-Out Burger. So picture that kind of place. Yeah. So picture that kind of place in your own neighborhood. You're smelling all that great charcoal grill coming out. You're telling, oh, designated driver, can you, I know I shouldn't have a thousand calorie burger at midnight, but can you make a turn into the drive-through and pick that up for me? Because what's happening is you're smelling it, you start to salivate. When you start to salivate, that's what's telling your gustatory nerves, this is what I'm gonna taste. Or, how many guys like pizza? Stupid question, I know. Uh, you go into your favorite pizza place, you order your pizza, you know you got 20 minutes to wait and those a-holes next to you get the same exact pizza pie and you have to smell it for 20 minutes. You're cussing them out under your breath because it smells so good. You know you want it. So it's really important to do that. Now we've talked about smell. Once you've smelled it, I want you guys to go ahead and taste the bill. Bless you, bless you, bless you. I want you guys to taste the beer. Now, before you taste the beer, sorry, sir. Um, what a tease. I want you guys to take a little <laughs> sip and vigorously swish it around in your mouth like this. What that does is cleanses your palate. Cleanses your palate from the gum he just stuck under that table, the beer you had while you were out there, the cigarette you went out and smoked. Now I want you to take a little sip, let it roll to the front of your mouth, part your lips and pull air back. Kind of do this. Be careful, a lot of strong beers, it could dribble on your blouse or shirt. Also, don't look directly ahead at the, at the person in front of you, because if it goes down the wrong way, you may spray them. But that opens your palate. So now you've cleansed your palate, 
you've opened your palate. Now you can take a true taste of that beer. So go ahead and enjoy and take a taste of that beer. A very bitter beer won't be as hot, a very hoppy beer won't be as bitter. A very sour beer won't be as tart. How many of you guys like a good Cabernet? I do. A big Cabernet won't be as tannic. Any Isla whiskey drinkers out there? Isla whiskey won't be as peaty. So it definitely subdues those characteristics for you. Now, here's a great example of how this can save your day every day, a, a regular work day. How, how many of you guys have been there? You, you went upstairs, brushed your teeth, walked down and saw your half drink glass of orange juice still sitting on the counter and you're going, damn it, I can't drink it now. <laughs> if you follow this method, by the third sip, you'll be back on par and you'll be ready to enjoy that orange juice. So we have here our Stone Enjoy by 5, 16, 14. We're getting close to the end. Steve, don't tell Greg. Um, uh, we're getting close to the end of our 35 days. Big hop notes, pine, citrus, all kinds of very luxurious um, hoppy aromas. Uh, with this, we paired a great donut. Tiffany, would you like to tell them about the donut? Yeah, um, you know, we went with a couple different kinds of donuts here. I, I kind of like to think it's cake versus yeast is sort of mayonnaise versus Miracle Whip. People have a really strong opinion. Yeah, exactly. So I've never personally met a donut I didn't love, but um, you know, some people like yeast, some people like cake. This one happens to be a cake. So it's gonna be a little bit more dense because it's leavened with baking powder and not with yeast. Um, it's got a sweet glaze on the outside and toasted candied pecans. Um, sprinkled on top of it so uh, you know it should go really nicely with this beer and kind of counter it with the sweetness. What kind of donut is it? Uh, carrot cake. Carrot cake, yes. So that's the reason why I made her, She, I, I said you got to do carrot cake. She goes well it's a cake donut, I like yeast donuts but IPAs and carrot cake are a match made in heaven to be honest. Now uh, Randy Mosher who's a, a great fixture in craft beer wrote about this in 2004. Uh, I don't know who came up with it first. I thought I, I could have sworn I did when Pliny the Elder in 2003, but Randy did write about it, so I'm going to give him credit. You wouldn't think a IPA with mm. a carrot cake. It just doesn't sound right, but it works so beautifully. You get the hoppy bitterness that plays off the sweetness yeah. of the cream cheese, but what I really like is the hoppy bitterness really shows off the cooked carrots that are inside. And if they use any other spices like cinnamon or ginger, mm -hmm. it'll really play off that. And then the cream cheese frosting will definitely show off the floral and citrus notes of the beer. So you get this really nice contrast comparison type tasting that works really well together. And this is what I'm all about. I do a series called Master Pairings and I always, even though I have certain beer pairing guidelines as all of the people that beer and food around the country for different breweries and restaurants do we kind of know that things like well brown ale goes with steak but it's really so much more than that it's really all about the ingredients food remembrances and the way you find things so what I like to do is I like to get the food in front of me bring my quiver of beer out and try different things because I already know a brown ale is gonna go great with the steak but if all of you were chefs out there and I asked you all to do a Wagyu sirloin with a parsnip puree, sauteed greens, and a red wine demi-gloss, guess what? Everybody's gonna use different seasonings. Everybody's gonna use mustard green versus kale. Somebody's gonna reduce with uh, petite Syrah versus Zinfandel. Uh, Tiffany, just because she's very creative, is gonna put almond butter on top of my steak and mess up my whole pairing. So it's all about that. So if I have that in front of me, then I might not use a brown ale with the steak. I might go, wow, she put cayenne pepper on the kale. 
that cayenne pepper goes amazingly with a black IPA with, with the chocolate and coffee notes that come out and the hoppy citrus notes that play with it. And that might be the pairing for the whole dish. So it's really all about experimenting and trying great things. So how do you guys like this tasting? Who hates it? I know there's somebody out there who hates it. You can be brave and say All right, just checking. Um, so yeah, uh, it's all about having really fun time and pairing different things. Um, do you have anything to add? What do you think of the pairing? Well, for me, like for me, I'm very particular about my beer, which I'm sure we all are, but I love tart beers and I don't really love hoppy beers. But one of the things that I love about desserts with beer is it takes a beer that I normally wouldn't enjoy and makes it something that's super pleasing. You know, everybody always says, oh, beer and dessert, I don't, I don't get it, that I've never heard of that before. But it really makes so much sense because why would you pair something super sweet with something super sweet? It just, it blows my mind every time that people don't understand that, you know, the, the, the bitter, hoppy flavor of beer is perfect for, for dessert. It's all about experimentation. If I leave you with anything tonight or we leave you with anything tonight, um, it should be, I want to go try beer pairings. I want to buy two mixed six packs of beer, get a bunch of cheeses or get a bunch of chocolate truffles and try them. Have your friends come over. Have them all bring their favorite beers and every, or everybody bring their favorite cheese and do these kind of things. It's all about experimentation and doing that. Because it's like I said, it's not just about the protein or the main ingredient. It's about the way they cooked it. Did they cook the steak sous vide method? Did they do it with a barbecue, Kansas City barbecue sauce? Did they do certain side dishes? Is it garlic, Parmesan, potatoes? Sound good right now, actually. Or is it, um, you know, the spicing that they put on the steak, the rub? So it's all about those different components that really come into play when you're doing the pairings. I think we're ready for the next beer. How about you guys? You guys? So we do have dump, I will say we do have dump buckets in the front. Now, uh, he, he jumped the gun a little bit. I was gonna say we have dump buckets, but these are pretty good beers. These are stone beers, let's face it. So I recommend you guys use the left to right method. Look to your left, look to your right. Somebody's probably gonna take it off your hands. So you don't have to dump. <laughs> I like that. Would you like to tell them about the next donut while mm. it's coming out? So uh, the next donut that we're going to do is actually one of my personal favorites. It's super simple and classic. It's just an apple fritter. Um, we take gala apples and we cook them like an apple pie filling. And then, you know, the difference, it is a yeast dough, but it's a little bit more dense than Thank a classic you. yeast donut because we actually, you know, it's, it's my favorite donut to make because we kind of spread all this dough out and dump all this pie filling over it and chop it all up and knead it back together. And, um, you know, for something that looks really rustic, it's actually a very long process to make them. But um, because of that... Oh, I never cook at home. <laughs> all that we have in our refrigerator is mustard. It's really sad. But... Um, so, you know, what I love about this donut, though, and what makes it so delicious is even though it's a little more dense than a typical yeast donut, because it's all kneaded back together with apples laced into it, when you fry it, it's amazing because you can see all of the grease is just, like, going through it. It's, it's amazing. It's just, it's got that perfect balance of, like, dough to fat. And, but don't worry. I know, you know, first of all, the beer is going to cut through all the fat, so that part won't bother you. And second of all, when it's educational, the calories don't count. So I say finish every donut on your plate. <laughs> They've been telling me that for two decades, and look at me. It's kind of out of control. <laughs> By the way, I'm sure the mustard's really good in your refrigerator. It is. We have at uh, least like a dozen different kinds. It's perfect. very well procured. Um, thank you, Tiffany. Mm -hmm. uh, now, you guys look like a pretty savvy bunch, so I know you're like going, Bill, 
we only get so many ounces of beer and you really want us to take two sips first so i'm going to take you to beer 201 tasting and i'm going to have you cut a corner so check this out you go like this you've just combined both of them in one fell swoop now you have more beer to enjoy be really careful this is really when it really goes down the wrong way and you spray your neighbor Ooh, that's gonna be good. so don't look directly in your loved one's eyes when you're doing this or the back of the head in front of you now this beer is an amazing beer uh, this is a stone 12 12 12 vertical epic ale it is, it is a big mm. beer it's got it's about nine percent it's a Belgian strong dark ale. Think a Christmas beer or winter warmer. It's amazing. It's got a lot of great ingredients added. It's got um, ginger, allspice, cinnamon, rose hips, uh, sweet orange peel, and what am I forgetting? Uh, let's see, did I write it down? Was I smart and wrote it down? Ginger, <laughs> allspice, oh, and clove. So it's gonna have all those wonderful Christmassy ingredients. It will go beautifully with this apple fritter, so go ahead and enjoy and try it. Um, it will also go really well if you have any bottles stored in your cellar uh, with uh, that fruitcake that your aunt keeps sending you. So that will go beautifully with it. It's going to have great notes of all those spices, winter fruit notes. Once again, winter fruit notes is a term we use in the craft beer industry for basically the fruit that goes in a fruitcake. Plum, raisin, fig, things like that. Um, it's going to go deliciously with this apple fritter, mm. so enjoy. It really does. Whoa. We have beer alert. There's beer missing in the front row. Oh. Never fear. We ordered two cases. Here they are. You got it? This one is perfect together. How do you guys like this pairing? Those of you who have had the beer. I love it because you get all this, on top of all those great characteristics, molasses, brown sugar, all those winter fruits. I also get a little leather and tobacco too. I mean, it's a very complex pairing. What I want you guys to think about doing sometime is enjoy your beers, but sometime when you're sitting there with a really complex beer, let it warm up in your glass. Um, and write down everything you smell and taste through every sip. You'll be amazed. I bet you guys will come up with 30 or 40 different things that you're smelling or tasting. And that's what's really fun about doing this. I mean, obviously these aren't the perfect glasses for this. These are what we have to do for this giant event. But if you don't have a great stemware glass, actually you all have at least one now, so that's good. Um, <laughs> you can always use a wine glass, believe it or not. You want something with a curvature that has a, a little bit of curve to it and it's going to trap the aromas uh, I talked a little about tasting and smelling so when you taste beer you're actually tasting six main you know you're tasting sweet savory spicy salty bitter and actually there's a sixth component that I don't know if the FDA will ever allow us to tell school children with our childhood obesity issues already, but they've actually done studies where they can identify fat through tasting. So fat is really the sixth component when you're tasting flavors, uh, whether it ever gets on that tongue diagram that you guys are used to seeing, uh, I don't know. And then a really amazing thing, so volatiles are what we smell. 
volatiles all make up different combinations of what we smell. We used to always have a thing, when you look at like Randy's book, it's gonna say there's 10,000 different volatile aromas that you can do. There was a recent, I think it was Harvard study that actually put together all the combinations possible and they say there's a trillion volatiles that you could smell combinations. And that sounds more like it because you can hear over a quarter million different sounds. You can see, I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of different things. So our nose is our most powerful sensory organ. So you can definitely smell up to a trillion, they're saying. So try that sometime, lay them out, write them down and see how it goes. How'd you guys like this pairing, killer? Amazing. <laughs> yeah, I love that, and I love this beer. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I'm, some of the things I'm known for is uh, pairing beer and food, obviously, um, but beer cellaring also. I have had, like I said, 2,500 bottles for a few decades, and this beer, I can tell you, will lay down for 10 years, easy. Mm. So if you have bottles, don't, don't have to rush through them. It's an amazing beer. It's going to age really well. Likewise, the next two beers are, are both ageable for 10 years. And the good news about them, they're not extinct like this beer. They actually um, will are brewed every year. So we're going to go into those in just a, a minute. Tiffany, what do, you, what do you think of this? Um, I thought it was awesome. Actually, all of the spices he mentioned are in the glaze. You didn't even know that. But... Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So I didn't cheat, but that's pretty you cool. You didn't thing. cheat. You know, but I what I love about this, too, is that, you know, we haven't actually tried these tasting, this combination together until we're trying it with you. So I think that's kind of fun that everything's working so well together. Right. Well, I cheat a lot. I've been, like I said, I do this a lot. So I'm all about, I'm going, no brainer. I looked at her menu and I said, oh, my God, these donuts are amazing. Um, and I go, okay, we've got beers. And I, I've had all these beers, obviously. So it, it was perfect for doing that. Now. How many of you guys have ever done your own beer and food pairing? It, it's great, right? So one of the things that they always talk about is intensity of flavor, okay? You gotta match very light with light, things like that. You do a Belgian wit with a salad. You do uh, an Imperial Stout with a chocolate cake or a tiramisu. I want to once again reinforce that there are no rules. You don't have to do that. It's good to know the basics. Please go out and buy Randy Moser's Tasting Beer or uh, Garrett Oliver's Brewmaster's Table because they Brewmaster's Table is a seminal beer and food pairing book in the Such world. It book. basically gets all the guidelines out there. But once you know what you're doing, then it's all about experimentation. I do dinners where the first course is a 15% beer with a salad. The last course is a 4% beer with dessert. How can I do that? and make it work. Well, it's easy. Think about it. Is my salad a light vinaigrette um, spinach salad with uh, mandarin orange slices? No. It, it's a salad that has a lot of complexity to it. So if you take an ingredient, remember it's all about the components. You can take a salad and if you're putting a Stilton blue cheese on top of it, right? And you're doing a creamy dressing, guess what? Those are the components that are gonna pair up really beautifully with that barley wine. And then if you're doing a very easy lemon meringue pie for dessert, how can it not pair beautifully with a Belgian wit or a German Hefeweizen? So you can definitely do that. People are afraid that they get palate fatigue and things like that. I guarantee you as you're trying different courses, if you have 
creative food and creative beers, you're not going to have palate fatigue because you're going to refresh your palate every time. You're going to bring out those great characteristics. Beer is so versatile, you can pair it with, <coughs> excuse me, anything. Water break. <laughs> I do beer and cigar and food pairings where I take a cigar and it has, yes, has a third of the cigar each. How many cigar smokers out there? Just that one? Okay, you can admit it. All right. Cigars have flavor, right? If you have a Maduro wrapper, for those of you who don't smoke cigars, those are those really dark ones. Guess what kind of notes they have? Espresso and chocolate in it. Guess what kind of beers they're gonna go as an initial offering? An Imperial Stout, a barrel-aged beer. So it's, you can definitely pair things like that. I'm doing a, a, a thing around the country called Not Your Father's Boilermaker, where I'm taking our great stone beers and pairing them with whiskeys. Single malt scotches, bourbons, and rice. Guess why I can do that? Because what does a bourbon taste like? Well, it normally has vanilla and coconut, right? And then it has other spice characteristics. A rye is spicier. A scotch may be peatier or smokier. So if you think about everything universally as far as pairings, you can come up with these great ideas. Yes? So if there are no rules, why are we here? <laughs> to have great donuts and beer. For the beer and donuts. All right. <laughs> Definitely there are basics to go by, but I want you guys to think outside the box. Once you learn the basics, I want you guys to be able to not be, oh, shoot, we don't have anything brown, honey. How are we going to have a steak tonight? Now, of course, most <laughs> of you are not thinking about pairings every second of every day. I do. Um, I mean, I'm doing a series right now called... Uh, late night munchy pairings because <laughs> guess what here's what happens you guys go out to a great pairing dinner you go to a, you spend a hundred dollars you go to a seven course dinner you're like oh my god that's an amazing pairing then you come home and you want a nightcap you look in your pantry because you got a little bit of hungry and you go god I got Funyuns <laughs> I want you guys to think about what beer out of your collection will go best with the Funyuns by the way, it's a big garlicky, oniony IPA that will go best with the not real onion Funyuns. But I want you guys to think about that. All you got are those pink snowballs. I want you to think about a barley wine with caramel and toffee notes that's going to complement those pink snowballs. I think about it every minute of every day. I'm kind of sick that way. Yes. Talk well. I don't eat Taco Bell. Uh, <laughs> Wait, are we, sorry, is this the management from the local Taco Bell right here? Uh, I don't eat Taco Bell. I'm kind of, I am, I try to hold true as much as I can with, if not organic sustainable, but really well-crafted food, like the kind of stuff you'll find at Birch and Barley, for example, things like that. Um, but if I'm trying Mexican food, it depends. Mexican food is much more diverse than you would imagine. Uh, if you think about it, mole, the mother sauce, is so complex. It, it, people think it has 27 ingredients, which it does, and it always has chocolate. It doesn't have to have chocolate. It has all kinds of great complex ingredients. So I'm always thinking about the flavor profiles and what they do. The average person will, you guys can pour the next beer, by the way, because uh, I'll talk forever otherwise. <laughs> the average person doesn't think about it. They think about what I've coined the water cooler effect, right? Uh, you like good drink, you like good food, but you're not thinking about it all the time. So, what's your name, sir? You, right there in the green. Stewart. And, and 
Okay. <laughs> and, 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 are you with one of these young ladies? Yes. Okay. So Stuart decides to take her out to Charlie Palmer's for a great steak. But guess what? As cool as that is, he forgets to get reservations. So they're in the uh, you know bar for an hour. The good news is Kissler just came out with a new Chardonnay, and they're going to go ahead and enjoy this fabulous Chardonnay. Then they go in and have a great steak. Now, he knows that a red wine should go with a steak, so he pairs it with a, let's call it a silver oak Cabernet. Not the best Cabernet, but a very popular Cabernet. On Monday, he's at the water cooler. They say, hey, Stuart, what did you do? He goes, oh, we went to Charlie Palmer, my favorite. You know, I kind of blew it. I forgot the reservations. But guess, there was this Kissler Chardonnay that was so amazing. And then you know how Charlie's steaks are. They're always great. Do you think he mentions anything about how well the steak went with the wine? No, because you don't think about that. I do. I'm always thinking about which will go best. So if you try to bring a little bit of that into your life, you can. And you're like, well, how do you do it all the time? Perfect. If you like an omelet with the white cheddar in the morning, guess what? German Hefeweizen. You like strawberry yogurt, Dan and strawberry yogurt with fresh berries, Belgian wit. Everything in the world is parable. I can pair any food item in the world and with beer, and what does that mean? You can pair any food item in the world with beer with just a little practice, imagination, and creativity. So it's all really reasonable for you guys to go out there and just have a fun time. Who would have thought donuts five years ago? I've been doing donut series for a couple years now. Beer and breakfast, beer and sushi, you name it. Beer and vegan done right even, I've done that one too. I had to do that right after my beer and the love of pork because the vegans were getting mad at me. But you can pair anything with anything. Would you like to tell them about this next donut? Yes, so the next donut So we're going is, clockwise, by yes. the way. So we're going to the, the Bismarck donut, so it's the one without the hole in it. So um, this is another one of my favorites. It's uh, peanut butter and jelly. I'm a sucker for anything peanut butter. Um, we, we change jelly throughout the year. This is pretty much always available at, um, at GBD. Uh, we make the jam. So right now you have Concord. We've got, a, like, sadly for my staff, we got about 30 cases of Concord grapes last year and made a ton of jam. So that's what you have in here today, uh, a salty peanut butter glaze and honey roasted peanuts on top. And this is, again, another yeast donut. Thank you, Tiffany. So I warned you guys about telling you about how I did my first beer and food pairing. You're going to actually get the long story and learn how I got into beer. So. 37 years ago, I was sitting in my backyard in Garden Grove, California, which is in the middle of Orange County. I was making a Lohenbau tree with my buddy. We were both 15 years old. It wasn't good German Lohenbrau, it wasn't good Swiss Lohenbrau, it was Stroh's Lohenbrau from Detroit. We were sitting in the backyard, we had a bunch of fruit trees, no leaves on them, we were downing bottles and putting them on the branches. My dad comes home, he was in the Knights of Columbus. He happened to come home with my buddy who lived across the street's dad, who was his best friend. They had gone to a meeting at the Knights of Columbus and wanted to go play poker. My dad had a bar and he liked single malts, or excuse me, blended scotches. He grabbed a bottle. He, we were too loud. He looked out back and saw that we had a dozen bottles on a tree and came out to yell at us. 77, we could have been chased with a, a belt, theoretically. <laughs> um, but luckily for me, something had happened to him recently. He had been in World War II, which of course wasn't recently, and had been ready to go on D Normandy on D-Day. He spent six months in England and tried English ales. Later, he followed Patton around and discovered German lagers and German Hefeweizens. When he came back to the United States, he never had any beer to choose from because it was all fizzy yellow, sadly enough. So he became a blended Scotch whiskey drinker. 
Luckily for me, two weeks before he busted us, he walked across a walked into an early liquor store chain called the Liquor Barn, which was an early predecessor to BevMo. He walked down the wrong aisle and it was all imported beers from, guess where, England and Germany with a smattering of regional beers like Henry Weinhardt and stuff like that. I think he really wanted to show off to his buddy, who was my buddy's dad, uh, dad. but he basically said, you guys are old enough to drive next year. If you promise not to drink and drive, I'm going to teach you about good beer. So what happened, we got a tasting group of about seven or eight of us, and he'd get two six-packs of mixed beers every Friday and Saturday. We did this for three years, so by the time I was 18, I'd already had 3,000 different beers from around the world, including Belgian ales, things like that. So that's where I was always into it right off at an early stage and into craft beer. Now, in 78, Michael Jackson's uh, seminal book all about beer came out, and I was just became fanatical. He'd mentioned a little bit about beer and food pairings in Belgium, and so I knew I wanted to go there, but I really wasn't thinking about it like I do now. We're sitting there tasting some beer, and we just got some beers. We got some new Albion beers, because we had a friend that was up in Sonoma buying wine, and luck we didn't knew nothing about it, but we got actually new Albion beers, and we got Fritz's from uh, Fritz Maytag from Anchor, his old Foghorn. It was the first time we were gonna try it, which is an English style barley wine. So they were getting ready to pour it. I got hungry. I walked over, made myself a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. It wasn't gourmet homemade marmalade or good butter or fresh baked bread. It was Wonder Bread and Concord jelly actually from Welch's and Jiffy's peanut butter. I reached in to grab the milk carton. The milk carton was empty. I blame my three older sisters, but it was probably me that put it back in there empty, to be honest, and uh, walked back to the table. Took a bite, tried to say something, couldn't, grabbed the old foghorn, took a sip, and I said, oh my God, this is amazing. So I made these other seven people, some relatives, some not, sitting around the table, taste my nasty PB&J <laughs> with the beer to see how it was. And that was my oh wow moment for when I started and a star getting was born. into beer. So that's why I selected this particular pairing. I really wanted to do a great barley wine, which happens to be our Stone Old Guardian barley wine. This is our, it's 11.26%, so a little bit stronger than Old Foghorn. It's an amazing West Coast barley wine, big hop notes, and I wanted to do it with the PBJ. So how do you guys like the pairing? Everybody gets napkins, but Peanut us. butter and jelly, it's a new combination I just made up. You're, you're, you're experiencing it here first. It's I know so I really good. should have said we needed like tons of napkins for this, but I didn't think of it until I took the first bite and I was like, um, crap. <laughs> I know, that's true. That's true. Well, she is a chef, so it goes I no without saying. I have saying. no shame. Now. Oh my gosh, and then there you were. Magic. If you guys need some, I don't need all these, so you guys can come up and grab them. Well, last but not least, ending on a good note. One of the things I want to talk about real quick before we do our last pairing and get you guys out there is regionality. There's a reason why beers or wines from a certain region go from their food go well with their food. Uh, prior to the Industrial Revolution, we had a little thing in Europe called the Black Plague and other 
diseases that traversed and wiped out most of the population. So in, in the South, you had what was called the grape belt, places like Spain, France, Italy, Greece. They grew grapes, so they drank wine. And the next, as you got farther up, you had the grain belt, and you had grain where you made beer. In the far north, you couldn't grow anything, so you had bees and you made mead. In Normandy and England, you had pears and ciders, pear and cider, apple trees. So you always had something to consume, and that's what you did. You drank all the time. You always had that. You had very low alcohol beers normally, but you consumed those beers as part of the components. Could you imagine being in the south of Germany and your main proteins were smoked eel and pork, and every time you took a sip of a beer, you were like, oh, God, that's terrible together. <laughs> There's a reason why they brewed things like Big Rich Doppelbachs and Merzins and uh, Dunkels and things like that, because they knew that they needed to have things that complemented each other, and so they went together. So it's all about regionality. So when you're going to traveling different places, it's important to look at those kind of things and use those as another form of guidelines when you're doing your pairings. Would you guys like to pour the last beer? So Tiffany, you'd like to tell them about this last donut? Yes, so last but not least, we have um, maple, bourbon, and bacon. Um, I know, I know. Who, who, you know, I, everybody, you know, I what feel like- What a letdown. I know, I know, I'm sorry to end on this note, guys. But, um, you know, ba a bacon donut, I feel like that's a bucket list thing for so many people. So we kind of felt like we had to have when we opened GBD. And then a lot of people, I guess, in California, a maple bar is like a big thing there. It's like a- a maple donut, which I'd never had, but so I said, oh, that sounds good together. And then I'm addicted to scotch, and my gateway was Maker's Mark. So I figured, like, I'll just dump a bunch of that in there. That'll taste good. Um, so, and then was born the uh, maple bourbon bacon donut. So, awesome. and my husband made the bacon. It's a beautiful marriage. So I ran out of beers, so I decided to just do a vintage beer for you guys, because, you know, I think Stone Steve... Uh, I think we only did, what, 72 different beers last year? Something like that. By the way, Steve Wagner, our founder and president Thank and you. original brewmaster is here, sitting in, um, enjoying. So I, I said, what the heck, let's do a, let's do a, a nasty six-year-old beer. So I, I did our 2008 Old Guardian. So it's our same barley wine you just had. Now the fusel alcohol notes will drop off, the beer will mellow and Ooh, blend yeah. together beautifully. You're gonna have more caramel and toffee notes, believe it or not, from oxidation. Oxidation actually works with bigger beers. Now, I sell our beer, I should do a disclaimer. Actually, Greg, it's in my contract. Greg, our other founder, wants me to do this disclaimer. 95% of all beers should be drunk fresh. It should be consumed as fresh as possible. But that small percentage of beers that are ageable they can age forever. They can age for 10, 20, 30 years, and they're wonderful. So this is an example of a beer that's six years old. It's gotten more complex. When a beer, when an IPA oxidizes, you're gonna get wet cardboard. When this beer oxidizes, you're gonna get more caramel and toffee. And it's just gonna bring out all these nuances and the flavors are gonna to blend together and they're just gonna be amazing. Yeah, this is really good. Cuts through the sweetness of the maple really nicely. Wow, these are amazing donuts, I will say. Does anybody have any questions? No, I answered everything? That's, I'm good. <laughs> good job. Yes. What is your absolute favorite food and beer pairing? 
preferably towards the, the dessert side. So you know, that's okay, now you're giving me caveats. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, well, living in Europe for a few years, I, I came under the uh, kind of French and Italian mentality that you have cheese for dessert. So I'm going to kind of cheat a little bit. So one of my favorite America. We love cheese so here. What do you? What we do don't you have say? it for an appetizer. We're going to have it for dessert. So uh, and this this is kind of funny because uh, Garrett Oliver, who's considered the premier beer and food pairer in the country, I, I, I like to always poke him a little bit, and then he says stuff like, "When are you going to write a book?" Um, uh, one of his favorites is a barley wine and Stilton blue cheese. Mm. And I have to agree with them. A barley wine and a great aged Stilton is just an amazing, amazing concept. Uh, other than that, there's so many great things. Uh, but I definitely like a really cheap carrot cake that has that big, thick. I don't want the gourmet carrot cake where it's not really cream cheese on top. And I like our stone ruination with it, for example. It's just amazing. So, but any double IPA will work really well. Yes. So the question is, how do I keep track of my cellar with the age and rotation of all those bottles? Well, I'm, I, they, they call me the grandfather of beer geeks because I've been doing this for a long time. I was like the first guy standing in line for rare releases when there was nobody else there except in the people I brought because I wanted more. Um, so I, I look at my beers all the time. I have people over all the time. I have parties of 50, 100 people, and I, we go through 200 bottles. So I'm constantly looking. I know. Uh, Escondido. Um, <laughs> when, you get, when people come over, I always want to do that. And I'm always thinking about that, too. Now, I obviously sell our beers that are 8% or stronger unless they're sour. They're usually darker bottle condition, things like that. So I'm always looking at that. A great fun way to do it if, you're in, if you want to start cellaring beer is look at beers you know, buy an inexpensive case of something, something that's a $60, $70 case. Try a beer fresh if you like it. Drink them all right then. If you want to age them for a while, try them every three months and see. It's just like wine. Eventually, it will go like this and go down. So you need to stay on top of that. But you just want to keep them in a cool place where there's not a big temperature shift and not in the direct sunlight. And beer is very uh, versatile. And, and for you brewers out there, sorry, but it's very uh, resilient. I know we want to keep them as safe as possible. Yes, sure. What about aging donuts? Aging donuts. I do uh, not recommend it ever. <laughs> it's kind of like Bad that idea. early catch if you're out on the fishing boat. Flash freeze it, you're okay, but otherwise you're out of luck. Fresh donuts. Yes, yes. that's the way to go. Yes. Do so the question is, do I store them horizontally or vertical? I store them vertically. I, I say vertical for my verticals. Uh, the reason being is, uh, historically you do that with wine, and that started from the great houses in France and Italy where they'd have bottles that were 50, 75 years old. The corks always were not the best quality. A lot of those were what we call conglomerate corks where they were made up of little pieces of cork and reused because they were on a budget, let's face it. If you store beer vertically like this, you can see the amount of space that allows for oxidation. If you turn it on the side, you've got a lot more air hitting a lot more beer at the same time. Also, if you guys have ever had an old beer, a lot of times there's a slick, of the, slick there if it's bottle condition. If you leave it like this, it's compact on the bottom. You have the option as you're pouring it to release that 
which has a lot of flavor, but a lot of people don't like a cloudy beer into the glass for somebody who really wants it, but you're controlling it. Corks, capped beers are very well controlled as long as you're not keeping in your refrigerator too long because they have low hum humidity levels, so it's an issue and it'll get in there. But corked beers have Subarin. Subarin is what makes it waterproof. And as long as you're not doing extreme temperature changes, you're not getting that big contraction and expansion of the cork, so you're not getting a lot of air into it. So to be honest, even though I said beers can last 10, 20, 30s, most ageable beers you want to enjoy one to five years out because that's when they're gonna really be at their best. And then as you get later on, just because I've been doing it for so long, I like the complexities, the sherry, Madeira, port notes, things like that that come in a great imperial stout or barley wine, but you really want it in a shorter term. Are there any other questions? Yes. Say that again. GBD tomorrow. <laughs> the beer and fried chicken tasting is at GBD from 2 o'clock till closing. Stone will have a dozen amazing beers there. Our founder, Steve Wagner, will be there. I'll be there. Will you be there, Tiffany? I will sadly not be there. I'll be working in one of the other restaurants. But, but her donuts will be. Yes. And so if you can't get enough of these pairings, you want to take somebody there. We're going to have pretty much all the beers that we had uh, tonight. So you can take your friends and say, I'm going to show you. Don't even tell them you came. Just say, <laughs> there's this peanut butter and jelly donut I want you to try with this beer. And you can be the rock star. <laughs> somebody over here had a question? Yes. How about this straight up beer and fried chicken? What do you recommend? Oh. <laughs> do you have a recommendation? Um, I mean, I like to stick with kind of light, lighter, slightly so lighter beers. So one of my favorite meals to pair is Thanksgiving because you have such a broad swath of flavors out there at the same time. So I always bring out a lot of things. Saisons and Beer de Guards go really well with roasted chicken. When you're talking fried chicken, you want to get into brown ales. Brown ales, Belgian doubles, American brown ales work really well. So something like a Big Sky from uh, Moose Drool from Big Sky or a Nautical Nut Brown from uh, Ale Smith work beautifully with the fried chicken. They handle the, the fattiness and the greasiness from the skin, and yet that crispy note plays really well with the Maillard reaction. Amber ales work pretty well too, especially if they're not overly hoppy. Any other questions? No? Well, I want to thank uh, the Brewers Association for having us. I want to thank Tiffany, Miss Isaac, and thank yeah. you all for coming. Cheers, everybody. Hey, well, there's, there's one thing I came away for, with, and that is there are no rules. Thanks again to Tiffany right. and to Bill. Thanks for coming, everyone. Cheers, everyone. Hey, I know you guys probably don't have beer in your glasses, but let's wake up those people out there. On the count of three, let's all, at the top of our lungs, do all hail craft beer, okay? One, two, three. All hail craft beer! Cheers, everyone. Thank you, Tom. Thank you for listening to this recording from Savor 2014, brought to you by the Brewers Association and Craft Beer Radio. You can find the rest of the salons from Savor 2014, as well as all of the salons from previous years of Savor, at craftbeerradio.com savor or on craftbeer.com. Craft Beer Radio is a weekly beer podcast that you can listen to on iTunes or from our website at craftbeerradio.com.